arable, dairy, beef, sheep, pigs, chickens? Are you looking for the best agri-advice from a real specialist? Look no further. Hello and welcome to the third episode of our second season of the Winsley agri podcast. Today we're going to be taking a whistle-stop tour of all things lambing, starting with how to set ewes up for a successful lambing season, from scanning onwards right through to the first four to six weeks of lamb nutrition. Today I'm welcoming sheep and beef specialist Bryn Hughes and calf and young stock specialist Laura Monk back to the podcast. A warm welcome to you both and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Tony. I'd like to begin by hearing more from today's guests. Laura, could you start us off by telling us a bit about yourself, please? So I've been working as a young stock specialist for Wednesday for almost three years now. And in that role, the majority of what I do is advising farmers on calf rearing. But obviously, at this time of year, the knowledge I've gained in that role, I can cross over to the lambing season. And I run my own flock of pedigree sheep at home. So lambing is something that I'm particularly passionate about. So this is a good time of year to be a young stock specialist for me. Right. Uh, what breed are they? Your pedigree flock? Um, I've got a flock of pedigree charolais and I've got a handful of Dutch spotted sheep this year as well. Okay. Uh, and Bryn, what about you? Yeah, thanks, Tony. I'm the National Beef and Sheep Specialist for Wednesday. Doing the role for a, a few years now. Been working for Wednesday for a lot longer as well. It's quite an interesting and it's quite a varied role, really. Do a lot of the day-to-day kind of rationing and advising of our customers all over the UK, really. And also, you know, we get involved with a lot of initiatives that Wednesday are currently running in terms of things like improving the environmental credentials of beef and sheep production, looking at how we can be more efficient on the farms, looking at how we can improve growth rates on the farms and various things like that really. It's kind of a complete package kind of approach that Wednesday have to our customers. It's making sure that we're making the customers aware of that package that we offer. As well as doing that role, Tony, I also got a, a medium-sized kind of commercial sheep farm at home here. Our target market being sort of heavy lambs into the live trade really. So yeah, that's what I do to keep myself happy, busy. Okay, Uh, thank you to you both. Uh, Now, before we jump into today's topic, uh, let's take a moment to consider what's going on in farming at the moment. So if I asked you what three words would you use to describe farming today, what would they be? Start with you, Laura. Uh, Three words I'd probably go for are uncertain, challenging and rewarding. And Bryn? Maybe a little bit of a different approach for myself here, but um, I think I've gone for pasture, meat and then profit. Okay. So start with you then, Laura. Uncertain. I think everybody's got that feeling running through their bones, haven't they? What's causing the uncertainty? I think, I mean, farming's like professional gambling, really, isn't it? No one knows what's going to happen sort of in the next six months. We've just got to hope for the best, really, and keep doing what you're doing. And if you're good at what you're doing, then hopefully it all pays off and, and then you get to the rewarding side of things. But yeah, it's very, very uncertain times. And I think the volatility of the markets we've seen in the last six to 12 months has kind of added to that as well. So yeah, yeah. And politics. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then Bryn, so pasture, meat and profit, they're kind of all linked, aren't they? Yeah, they are, Tony, and I, I kind of agree with Laura's sentiments there, really, that it's an uncertain time. But, you know, Tony, you've been at agriculture as, as long as I have, really, and that there's always been uncertainty. And if you, you know, go back to the 80s with milk quotas, various changes in support regimes, and I think the successful farmers, they, you know, stick to a plan, don't they? They 
work their way through the you know the things that they can do a lot about isn't it only like that there's a lot of uncertainty or it has been in agriculture if it's the weather or whatever else is the is the factor and it's it's people got a, a a certain plan and a direction i think the ones that have been successful and i think that you know if you focus your energies on pasture management there was a an irish research project that said said that every hour spent on pasture management was worth about 100 euros so you know that's a good return on investment in anybody's book really so um yeah that's what i kind of say and you know concentrate on pasture management now Grass has always been the cheapest feed on the farm. Unfortunately, this year with sky high fertilizer prices, it's still the cheapest feed on the farm, but it's going to cost you more, you know, which is the message there. Producing as many kilograms of meat off your farm is most probably one of the biggest drivers for, for profitability as well. So all of those three factors are linked together. But I think, you know, we're a grass growing country. It's an amazing way of converting vegetable protein into high grade protein for human consumption in the form of lamb. And I think that's that's where we should really be focused on. And I think that the you know the environmental credentials of doing that well are extremely high, you know, and it's a it's a big gain for us as a country and for us as farmers really to be focusing on those areas. So I think it's mm. um yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of volatility in the market, um, but you know if you focus on those areas, I think you'll still be successful. And you know we have had very very good returns from the markets in the, the last year. And I think one of the lessons from that really is that you know you always need something that you can sell quickly on in cheap systems now. You know okay. that those lambs need to be you know fit to go at all times really because the difference between a week or two can be ten or fifteen pound a head, can't they? So yeah, that's mm. I think that's where where I'm at with that really, Tony. Yes, uh, and what you said at the start there, you know, you and I are old enough to remember a lot of crises that farming has been through, and we've got through every one. Uh, and I think at the moment farmers just need to be confident they'll get through whatever uncertainties there are right now too. I think so too, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that leaves us plenty to think about. Uh, certainly is an exciting and challenging time. So, so now let's talk about lambing. At the time this podcast goes live, sheep farmers could be anywhere between scanning and awaiting their early lambs. Regardless of when lambing falls for you, it's pretty much a guarantee that it will be a busy few weeks and we all know how stressful things can be when they don't go to plan. But as with many things in farming, preparation is key. What can farmers be doing six weeks before ewes are due to start lambing and set the flock up for success? Well, there's a, there's quite a few things that you can do to set up your flock for success. I would say that one of the major factors really with success is keeping an eye on the condition score of sheep. And it really needs to be more than six weeks before lambing in that if you're only looking at them six weeks before that. I mean, you've got a very, very short period of time to rectify any problems and it's difficult and you may cause yourself some problems by trying to rectify body condition score in the last six weeks of lambing because there's a danger that you will put a lot of the nutrition into the lambs and produce big lambs. So early mid-pregnancy is the time to, well, it's always time to look at your condition score. Pre-tupping is also the time, but um, yeah, have a good look at your condition score if you use early to mid-pregnancy. Possibly scanning time is a very, very good time to look at the condition score if you use. You're handling every sheep at that time to put them through the, the scanning box. So, you know, have a look there. Consider the condition score of those used at scanning. For a lowland ewe, anything below three and a half, three to three and a half, needs extra feed okay and it's critically important to the success at lambing that they are well fed during that period to maintain and gain a bit of condition 
there's a lot of research and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence from farmers as well. We all know our jobs, don't we? That, um, you know, ewes in poor condition at lambing don't perform. A lot of research from New Zealand and the big project going on in the UK as well shows that ewes with a less than target body condition score at, at lambing a lot more prone to mastitis, which is, the you know, one of the biggest problems that you have at uh, post lambing, I think. Uh, and one of the biggest causes of, of premature culling of ewes. So my advice prior to the six-week period, Tony, is get the ewes in the right condition. How do you do that? Well, number of ways, make either very, very good quality grass in front of them, six centimetres or more, very good quality silage. When I want to talk about quality really is that the better the quality of the forage or the better the quality of the silage, the more of that the ewes will eat, and that means that they will gain a bit of condition on it. If your forage or your grass isn't of the correct quality, then you'll need to supplement them in another way. Uh, roots being a popular choice at this time of year, and if you haven't got roots, you can always buy fodder beets, sugar beets, which are you know a relatively good value in the market today. And also, you know, if that's not a possibility then some compound feed is a is a good choice it gives you a lot of management control if you if you feed them a bit at that time so you know don't be scared of feeding the ewes to get your your performance later on as you're getting close to lambing six weeks away from i would advise people to carry out a forage analysis i've been busy in the last a period before Christmas, running around doing a lot of forage analysis for customers just to see what the quality of the silage that they've got. And the main factors that we'd be looking at there is the energy content and the protein content of that of that grass grass silage. And the majority of the silages this year have analysed as a you know a, a average silages, not too many excellent silages out there, which has a bit of an impact then on how much supplementary feed those ewes are going to need prior to lambing. Then that gets me on really to, you know, how do you set up the ewes in that last six week period? Most of the Wednesday representatives have got a guide for you regarding feeding levels. But we always start start off with about a pound or half a kilo of feed, building up to about 1.2 kilos in two feeds for ewes with triplets. And that those rates of feeding vary a little bit according to the quality of the silage they're having or if they're on hay or if you're on a straw feeding system as well so quite a bit to consider but efforts put in prior to lambing or early stages as well makes for a for an easier lambing if there is such a thing as an easy lambing um but you know attention to detail in these early periods certainly pays rewards and a little bit of investment in terms of feed and whichever form it takes can pay big dividends post lambing Ewes that are not in the correct condition at lambing time will not perform well for you on the farm. And those lambs will be the lambs that are most probably still with you in November, December, January. And they've eaten a lot of feed to get to the same place as their contemporaries who have left the farm in June, July. Another tried and tested means of maintaining body condition score on ewes is to use blocks as supplementary feed. There's various blocks available on the market from the feed blocks, which are slightly softer tablet type feed blocks where you'd expect a, a higher intake from the use or to the harder blocks, which are your tub type products, which have lower intakes, but have higher energy uh, content. And they're, they're a good, effective way of 
keeping condition on on use and also they they have another function really in that if there are some shy feeders in the group in that they can go and have a bit of a nibble at these blocks at their own time and it, they do play quite an important factor in you know reducing the incidence of twin lamb and making sure that the mineral status of those ewes are good and there's a fair bit of research with these blocks to prove that they can have a very very positive effect on colostrum volumes and quality as well so blocks can play a vital role in the maintenance of body condition prior to lambing so yeah that's a brief summary of what is a, a huge topic and a topic that i enjoy so um yeah thanks tony so so at um scanning time then what would you do with those ewes which may be too fat their body condition is too high at that point yeah there may be a few ewes tony at that time that are, are a bit too fat and then you know it's the decision then really is to you know they don't need to be starved at that point, Tony. So it's important that they still have, you know, the essentials of what they need to to eat. But yeah, it, you know, your target really is three and a half. You'll get away um, three and a half body condition score. You'll get away with some at four. If they are over conditioned, then it's pretty obvious that you know you just don't put them on the best grass and just try and slim them down a little bit without causing any issues. There is an issue with over-conditioned ewes that if you put them into a like sort of a hard feeding situation or difficult feeding situation that they can be very, very prone to metabolic disease. So it's a matter of getting them fit without um, starving them. So within them six weeks, when we get closer to like three weeks before lambing, body condition, nutrition, those sorts of things will start to influence colostrum quality, which is obviously going to impact our lamb survival and so on. So it's important to think about like vaccination programmes, pre-lambing, get those in timely and feeding good quality protein because at the end of the day, antibodies are proteins. So you know, good quality protein before lambing is going to influence your colostrum quantity and quality. Right, so there's certainly a lot to do in the weeks ahead of lambing. What about when it's getting close, say just one week beforehand? As we're getting closer to the lambing period, it's important really that you focus on the quality of the supplements that you're providing the ewe with. Her intake of forage will decline as the lambs grow in the in the womb, squeezing up the space in the rumen, which means that the the energy content of the of the overall ration needs to increase and also that the quality of the proteins within that overall ration is is increased. Wednesday compound feeds are all formulated to provide the correct levels of energy and the correct levels of quality protein DUP and um, UDP on a metabolizable protein system. And these intakes of those nutrients are, are absolutely essential then for setting up the EU for for the lambing period. Yes, so as Bryn said, using those quality proteins for the you know high levels of bypass protein and so on are going to influence your colostrum quality and quantity. At the end of the day, the antibodies that we're looking for in the colostrum are large protein molecules. So the more protein and quality protein we can get into the use, the more antibodies they're going to be able to produce for that higher quality colostrum. So this year, more than ever, with the delays on deliveries and hauliers and so on, we need to be really prepared with equipment and making sure we've got everything that we're going to need for lambing. It's important to have it all beforehand. We all know that once we get 
into lambing, the time to go and pick things up and so on is gone really. So in terms of like bottles, tubes and so on, you need to be checking those, making sure they're not, you know, rough, perished. They've got to be sterile. And it's a good idea to get some colostrum replacer, some milk replacer, that sort of thing in stock. So it's all to hand ready to go and you aren't trying to run around and pick it up when you need it because by the time you've got it there it's probably too late yeah very important message laura uh and what about once you've started lambing i think once the lambs are out and up the most important thing to remember is that you're dealing with an animal that's totally naive they've got no immune system at all they've got less immunity than a newborn baby so we need to be limiting both the entry of bacteria and challenges and also you know the colostrum that we've mentioned before is obviously vitally important at this point so those lambs are born with a gut that's open to ingesting antibodies but it's obviously then also open to pathogens and bacteria as well so the first thoughts for me when the lambs are out would be you know we need to be treating navels we need to be getting those lambs into a clean environment and then we need to be thinking about colostrum the majority of your lambs born won't need any intervention colostrum wise most of them get up and go and sort themselves out and that's great that's what we want but you're obviously going to get your triplet lambs and a handful of lambs that need some intervention from you as a rule i would say in the first 24 hours lambs need to be having 500 ml of colostrum and you'd base that on 50 ml per kilo of body weight so if your average lambs about four kilos it would be in 200 ml feeds Obviously, triplet lambs are probably going to be a little bit smaller, so be mindful of that as well. So those triplet lambs then, the colostrum feeding should be extended for the first 24 hours. I know probably a lot of people might do one colostrum feed and then straight on to a normal milk replacer, but ideally we want to be repeating those colostrum feeds for the first 24 hours. After 24 hours, the gut is then closed and the uptake of antibodies is a lot more limited, if at all. So yeah, those first 24 hours, in my mind, should be concentrating on colostrum. For your lambs that you're leaving on the ewes, it's probably a good idea not to be banding anything in 24 hours. We all know that when we've banded lambs, they aren't up and sucking, so leave that for the first 24 hours, just so that they can get as much colostrum as possible. So those triplet lambs then, as Bryn's going to touch on like target growth rates and so on, we need to be hitting these targets, especially in the sort of unprecedented times that we're in. And leaving three lambs on a ewe, they aren't going to be hitting those growth rates. So we need to have a triplet strategy and it needs to be that, you know, we're taking one away. Lamb milk powder prices have gone up compared to last year based on sort of volatile raw material markets, as with many things. So it is going to cost a bit more to rear those lambs, but then they're worth more at the other end. Or So we've seen the last couple of years. So one sort of the increase probably cancels out the other. It's probably still worth doing. So each lamb's going to be taking around 13 kilos of milk replacer. And then depending on your system, there'll obviously be straw starter feed. If you're on an ad lib warm system, there's going to be electricity, but less labour. If you're on a bottle system, there's going to be more labour to take into account. So rearing those lambs is going to cost around the £50 mark in my mind so I think still worth doing but it's not anyone's favourite jobs <laughs> so yeah once the lambs are out just to summarise then for me it's all about avoiding the entry of pathogens getting as much colostrum in the first 24 hours as we can and yeah taking those triplets away and giving them the best start because we all know the lambs that we're rearing ourselves on milk replacer their immune system is quite often compromised they aren't usually the fittest strongest lambs but if we can give them that best 24 hours and get them going i think it'll pay dividends because with lamb prices where they are we can't afford to be losing lambs so 
And then in the weeks following lambing, what can be done to support early lamb growth? It's a critical period straight after lambing. And as Laura said, make sure that all the lambs have sufficient colostrum. And then it's to make sure then that the ewe has enough feed resources to maintain a good level of milk production. So what does that mean in real practical terms? Well, the ewes need to be turned out into six centimetres of grass, which is possibly more than some people would think is normal. But maximum growth for lambs and the production of ewes comes from about six centimetres of grass. If you haven't got that um, resource available, which is quite often the case, and with very, very high fertiliser prices, it's quite it's going to be a challenge to to provide that. Then, you know, you've got to carry on really with supplementary feeding. The key with lamb performance is that the overall diet needs to be over 12 and a half megajoules of energy. So if you think that the used milk is well over 13 megajoules of energy, the grass can be when it's not very, very wet in the high lambs to 12s. So the creep feed that you're feeding needs to be of a very high energy lamb creep as well. So, you know, for this early period, buy the best possible creep that you can find because that's what's going to drive performance in the lambs. And as we know, as sheep farmers, lambs don't eat a massive amount of creep early on. And it's most probably one of the best investments that we can make to get those lambs away quickly. So that's my kind of advice there. Keep the ewes well fed. In most circumstances, we'd carry on supplementary feeding of the ewes um, for a number of reasons. It makes management easier and also it fills in the gaps. We've had some very, very unreliable springs in the last 10 years or so. So, you know, um, don't take your foot off the gas then because if you do, you'll have problems with your lambs and you'll have lambs that are still on the farm in 12 months' time. Now, there's been a fair bit of research done in New Zealand and in the UK as well regarding target lamb growth rates. The average in the UK is about 150 to, well, 100 to 150 grams per day and 400 grams is a difficult target, but it's not an unachievable target. And if you think about what does 400 grams a day mean to me in terms of lamb production, well, it basically means that you know most of your February, March born lambs have left the farm by July, um, and that you know can transform your sheep farming enterprise. Generally, hitting higher prices, you need a lot less ground or a lot less fertilizer, whatever it's going to be, to maintain your flock after all the lambs have left. So you know there are targets there; they're achievable, but there's a lot of work to do to achieve those targets as well. So if there's ever, as Laura kind of alluded to that if there's ever time to spend spend time and effort on your sheep flock because the rewards are there it's the year to be doing it well thanks to you both for that incredibly informative whistle stop tour of everything lambing we wish all our listeners all the best for a successful lambing season in 2022 whenever it falls for you we hope you enjoyed this episode. The AgriHub podcast will be back next month with more news, insights, chat and tips. So don't forget to like and subscribe now. If you'd like any advice or practical know-how in the meantime, just visit our website and we'd be happy to help. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to welcoming you again soon.